you may not want to, you know, call out like, "Hey, you were at my website five minutes and three seconds ago." You know, that, <laughs> that that's a little spooky. Coming to you in your speakers from Dubai to all around the globe. This is James Reynolds Traffic Jam Podcast. Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome back, listener. You're tuned into Traffic Jam, episode number 15. I'm your host, James Reynolds, as always. And you're now listening into the third most loved media and marketing podcast in the UAE. That's right, listener. Thanks to your support, we've now climbed the Apple iTunes ranks to number three position in the United Arab Emirates, perched closely behind a little-known podcast called the Harvard Business Review, and that's in the business section, subcategory, media and marketing. Now, I'm totally blown away by this to think that our tiny little podcast is up there challenging a big institution like Harvard is just amazing. And it is down to your support. So first of all, I'd like to thank you for listening into Traffic Jam and helping make this show what it is. Um, But of course, number three, I'm not content with that. (laughs) Being the type of person that I am, I would love to get this show up into number one position so that we can get the great information that our guests share each week out to a wider audience and positively affect more businesses. So I want your help this week. If you've not done so already, head on over to iTunes via your iTunes player and leave the show a review. Let us know whatever you think about it, perhaps suggestions and improvements, or just just some good, honest feedback about the information that I and my guests share each week. I really would be grateful for that. Hopefully positive or negative, if you feel that's appropriate, will help us just push this show up that little bit higher and get it towards the top spot where we can get this great information out to a wider audience. The Traffic Jam Podcast with James Reynolds. So go right ahead and do that. All the great comments that I receive will get read out on the show. So if you want to get yourself a little bit more airtime and give yourself some exposure in front of the Traffic Jam audience, which incidentally is growing and growing by the week, please make sure you leave your name in the review. And also you might want to include your website address so I can give that a mention on the show too. So what we got coming up on today's show? Well, we've got all of the bits that you love each week. The one minute traffic tip, this week's news in traffic and the traffic jam jam, which plays out the show. And this week's traffic jam jam is quite a rocky number chosen by my guests. So all you rock fans, you want to stick around to the end of the show for that one. So who is my guest this week? Well, in his own words, he's an expert in acquiring and converting leads and sales through various online marketing channels and technologies. He's got particular skills in Facebook traffic, both organic and paid. And the subject of today's show, remarketing or retargeting, as it's also known. And that's the process of advertising to people that have already visited your website. This is possibly one of the hottest traffic strategies out there right now. And on this interview, we cover everything from setting up your campaigns to sequencing of your messages. So without any further ado, let's get stuck into today's interview. The topic is remarketing. And my guest on today's show is Justin Brooke from imscalable.com. 
So this is Traffic Jam episode number 15 and joining me today is Justin Brook from imscalable.com. Justin, welcome to Traffic Jam. Hey man, thanks for having me on. Awesome. It's really great to have you here. And before we kind of get stuck into the meat and potatoes of the interview, can you tell us a little bit about what you do? Yeah, so I run a a service, a full service ad agency where we do the paid traffic for other clients. Our clients are typically, they either have an info product sales funnel or they have a supplement sales funnel, although we've worked with software and we dentists and we've worked with other people, but uh, those type of sales funnels seem to work best for us. We manage their Facebook ads, retargeting, email ads. We do all the creative for them, reporting. That's what we do. Awesome. And I also hear you break six inches of concrete with your bare fists as well. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Years ago when I was in Taekwondo, uh, one of my specialties was, was breaking. I wasn't great at the fighting part or the forms part, but <laughs> apparently I could break stuff. Well, I think when it comes to fighting, Justin, breaking stuff is probably quite a good trait to have. So uh, <laughs> I'm sure it held you in good stead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you also like blueberry beer. It doesn't sound like the type of beer that someone who would break six inches of concrete would like. <laughs> yeah, I know. They, uh, my my cousin, who's a uh, you know, female, she always says, do they make that kind for men too? <laughs> oh that's hilarious but, i mean it tastes good and you know I, I like it so hey well i like a bit of lime in my beer as well so um yeah we're both guilty of that one <laughs> so justin tell me how about you how you got started online because i know when we kind of did the the pre-interview stuff you told me about some of the different jobs that you had and different businesses you had before you even got to the online stuff you used to work in wendy's and construction and telemarketing a whole list of different stuff what was that journey to getting to being you know an online marketer and then the stuff that followed afterwards yeah, I hopped around a lot of jobs, and I, I always dreamed on the jobs that I, I didn't graduate high school. So, you know, the jobs I had, you know, construction, I was carrying cinder blocks or digging ditches. And um, I always dreamed about sitting at a desk in a gray, crushed velvet chair, and I was going to work on the phone. You know, I was never going to have to sweat again. That was my dream. And it eventually came true after a while, but it happened kind of as I was at a sales job and I learned that I did have a pretty good gift of sales. My mom always said that I had the gift of gab, but, um, you know, basically at the sales job, I learned that I could sell. I was finally inside. I wasn't sweating for a living anymore. And, one day I decided that I didn't want to be making 35% commission anymore, which was a good commission. I felt yeah. like I was doing all the work because I was bringing in all the money. As a business owner, I now know that my that the owner of the business was doing a lot more than I thought he was, more than just keeping the lights on. And uh, so one day I just you know decided I want to make 100% commission, and and I went for it, and I kind of you know met Russell Brunson, and we went all down that track. Yeah, well, it's an interesting story. And I'd, I'd like to ask you about your kind of early success of really getting um, going online. And that was the story of you turning $60 into a six-figure business. Tell us a bit about that. Right. So 
when I got started online, I was trying to, I was, I was pretty much begging people to let me build them a website for $189 is what I would build somebody a website for. And then I kind of, you know, I realized that having lots of clients was a little bit like having lots of bosses. And so I wanted to learn how to make a website make me you know, pay my bills basically. And yeah. I, I saw guys like Russell Brunson and Rich Shefford and there was, you know, there was you know, all these make money online kind of guys. And so I started following them, started learning how to make money online. And uh, Russell offered an internship. And because I was pretty good at sales, I pretty much made sure that I got that internship. I found his affiliate manager's phone number, his personal home phone number. I emailed him. I private messaged him in forums, and I just made sure he knew that I really, really wanted it. So I got the internship, unpaid internship. Had to go out to Idaho, work for free for thirty days, and you know, pay my own way, all that stuff. But my job out there was to he has a, a quarter million dollar marketing library all these dvds and books and mm. audio courses and everything and my job was to go through these courses and write reviews because he was trying to build an affiliate review blog so i got the education of a lifetime doing all that for him and then so i took that that information that i learned while i was out there went back home i still wasn't making money so I, um, you know, explained to my wife how we were going to make money. I had this little website selling a, a how-to video course, how to, you know, how to build a website video course. Showed her what we were going to do with AdWords, begged her to let me use $60. We borrowed that by paying half the electric bill and used the other half to start our AdWords account for $60, $2 a day budget. At the end of the first month, I made $150, paid back the electric bill, reinvested the money, doubled my money again, doubled it again, you know, month after month for 11 months in a row, I kept doubling my money and I had a six-figure business at the end of the year. So what were the keys to your success being able to go through that process and, and double that business so consistently? What were some of the things behind that? Uh, looking back, you know, something that I really learned in, in all those courses was the importance of tracking analytics, metrics, like that was the underlying key in everything. It wasn't about certain tricks that I learned from this expert guy or that expert. Everyone was always about doing the fundamentals and tracking everything. So mm -hmm. I, even though I was only spending $2 a day, I was watching everything like a hawk. I mean, because that $60 to me, that was like all my money. That was, that was yeah. money I didn't even really have. So <laughs> I, I watched that. I was constantly like refreshing and I watched probably almost every click come in and, and was optimizing and changing things. And so that was kind of the biggest key I learned was to watch everything. And that's kind of, um, you know, how I've been successful today is I do a lot of tracking. I do a lot of optimization and I just make sure I try and stick to the basics with my ads. Well, one of the reasons I, I really wanted to get you on the show was to actually talk about one of those things that you've been extremely successful with recently. And the, 
the topic that I'd like to go deep on today is actually remarketing, because I know that's something that you've not only got great results with yourself, but you've also been able to achieve fantastic results for those clients that you serve. So with your permission, Justin, I'd like to speak to you a bit about remarketing and perhaps um, if we could start off by introducing the topic of what remarketing is, because many of our listeners out there, it may be a new concept too, and perhaps even a new word for. So tell us about what remarketing is. Uh, remarketing or also called retargeting is basically you're putting a code on your website just like you put a Google Analytics code or an opt-in code on your website and as visitors are coming to your page it's tagging them or cookieing them and then you start building this audience of people that you're tagging and then now what you can do is you can go into the network and we'll talk about that in a little bit. You go inside the retargeting or remarketing network and you can upload banner ads that you will show to this audience of people who you've been tagging. And you, there's all kinds of like campaigns you can do to show them different types of banner ads at different times and you can get really creative with it. But for the most part, basically, visitors come to your website and they leave your website and all of a sudden they're starting to see your ads all over the web. So you look famous to them. It's, a, it's, it's, it's the same thing like if you walked into a store uh, locally offline and then you came out of the store and all of a sudden there's billboards all over your town for for that store. You would immediately think, oh, wow, this guy, he's a big deal. Everybody must like this guy. So it, it, and then also, you know, sometimes people just forget, you know, somebody comes to your website, the kids started crying or dinner was ready and, you know, life took over and they weren't able to order. A couple of days later, they see your banner ads and they're like, oh, yeah, I wanted to buy that thing. So it, it, it works really, really well right now. It's 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 showing your ads to a very highly qualified audience. Got it. So it's basically targeted follow-up using display advertising on other websites that your previous visitors may now be visiting. Absolutely. It gives you a whole other channel of follow-up. And some people are calling it uh, the invisible list because mm. it's, it's, it's like people are opting into your follow-up sequence, but they don't have to fill out a, a form or anything like that. Yeah. And of course, they don't know themselves that they're on that list. Yeah, well, you got to make sure you have your privacy policies and everything like that. But Got it. Cool. Well, Justin, what are some of the advantages of retargeting or remarketing over conventional display advertising? Why don't you just go out and blanket the internet with uh, display ads um, as opposed to doing retargeting? Well, if you just went out and blanketed, blanketed the internet, you're going to be showing your ads to a lot of people who are unqualified. And so then the next step would be, okay, well, I'll show my ads only on sites that I think my visitors would be visiting. Well, you're still showing your ads to people who never really showed an interest where with remarketing, you can you'll be showing your ads to people who have just opted in, to people who have clicked your order button but haven't completed the, uh, the order form. You know, so you can be showing your ads to people who are – not only did they visit your website, but they they completed an action on your website that shows that they were highly engaged and interested in what you have. And then there's other campaigns you can run, like uh, in your display ads, you can have testimonials for your product. You can have uh, come back and get a 10% discount. Like you can get 
much more creative where if you were just blanketing the internet and you had, you know, come back and get a 10% discount, that might not make a whole lot of sense. But mm. to somebody who's just been to your website, it makes a lot of sense. And it, it, it you know, they're like, oh, wow, yeah, absolutely. Well, I think I'd like to cover some of that high level stuff in terms of targeting lists and sort of sequencing of messages in, in a short while. But for now, I think it would be nice to kind of lay the groundwork for this conversation and, and really just ask you about what sort of results, you know, someone could expect starting retargeting um, and perhaps compare that to typical display advertising. And I know you're a stats type person. So what type of click through rates, for instance, might a retargeting ad get comparative to a typical display ad? I've seen the click-through rates for the most part be about the same. It depends on the type of campaign you're doing, though. I mean, if if somebody you know just hit your order form and didn't complete it, your your click-through rates for the first couple of days are going to be a lot higher. You know, in the 0.3, 0.4, even as high as 0.7, 0.8 uh, CTR percent, where normally with display ads you're looking at. 0 0.05, 0 0.1, 0 0.2, 0 0.3, maybe if you're doing really, really good. Now, I've heard people talk about getting click-through rates of, in extreme cases, might I add, up to 20%. Now, do you think that's actually achievable with retargeting? It's it's totally achievable, but not on a not on a large scale. Uh, if you have a, a, a very relevant campaign with a great ad, um, you know, so here the CTR with retargeting is totally dependent on a couple of factors. One, you know, how far into your website did they get? You know, are they somebody who just landed on your website and then bounced off and they see your ads? It's probably not going to be a very high CTR. If it's somebody who's came to your website, filled out a, an opt-in form, watched your sales letter, and then they're seeing your ads. Uh, they're probably, you know, your CTR percent is probably going to go up. And then it also depends on how long after they visited your website, you know, so you got to figure after, after two weeks, people, people will either have bought or decided they're not going to buy. So there's a lot of companies out there where they're showing their retargeting ads for 30 days, 60 days, 90 days. Some people just leave that thing running as long, you know, and, you know, after 90 days, if somebody's seeing your ads and they're not coming back to your website, they're done. You know, mm -hmm. you, all you're doing is just upsetting them with your ads now. So I, 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 I'm sure 20 percent is possible. Um, I've seen some stuff like that on Facebook. Um, definitely the higher CTRs we see with retargeting is the retargeting campaigns where you're retargeting people inside of Facebook. Yeah. And I've seen a lot of that recently. I don't know whether I've just been happening upon sites that are actively doing retargeting, but everywhere I seem to turn on Facebook now is sites that I've visited in the last few days. So it's obviously a yeah. hot topic of conversation. Yeah. Across the board in all of my campaigns, the campaigns where it's retargeting people inside of Facebook, they always have the highest CTR and the lowest CPA, the lowest cost per sale basically. So it's, it's, those are the campaigns making us the most money for our clients. Interesting. Cool. Well, if someone is listening to this right now, Justin, and they're quite excited about giving, giving retargeting a shot, what would be the process of getting started with it? 
Um, you know, so you want to pick a network and there's, there's a bunch of different networks out there. Uh, you, you really want to think about first how you plan to use it, what type of website you have, because there are networks that are better for e-commerce sites and there are networks that are better for, um, you know, like sales letter kind of sites. So the network that I use is Perfect Audience. They're a pretty good all-around network. They can retarget into Facebook and the whole web. They have a nice uh, interface. You know, they're a good general place. There's, there's other networks out there that specialize in things like Capture. They specialize in e-commerce. E and, you know, there's other ones that specialize, but Perfect Audience is a good all-around one. Great prices. Um, so what do you need to, to get started? You need to think about, okay, which, you know, what am I, how am I going to use it? What network am I going to use? What, um, what is my display ad strategy going to be? There's a couple of different strategies. Maybe we should talk about that right now. Yeah, sounds, sounds excellent. I think if we get people thinking about how they're going to use it, um, that yeah. might just, you know, uh, tick a few boxes, you know, for our listeners. So yeah, go ahead. Okay. Okay, so um, the most basic strategy is, you know, you're just going to put your retargeting code on all of your pages and somebody lands on your page and they're going to see what I call a, a brand awareness ad. And a brand awareness ad to me is something that has your logo on there. It has a headline that basically um, summarizes the big benefit of your product. And then it has a call to action, you know, learn more. Uh, get instant access, whatever. And so that's just a real basic campaign. It's just anybody who lands on your website is going to start seeing your banners that, you know, that some are, you know, trying to get them to come back. Yep. The next, the next level up is, you know, someone who not only has come to your website, but maybe they've uh, gone to your products page or maybe they came to your website, they opted in, and now they got to see your sales video or your sales page or whatever. But somebody who has seen your product. And so now you're going to have ads that showcase that product. You know, it's still probably going to have your logo on there, but you really want to be featuring that product that they, that they were just looking at. And you might have a discount, you know, get 10% off or you might have a testimonial for that product. That's a great campaign to run. I mean, imagine all of a sudden somebody lands on your product page and then now all over the web, they're seeing testimonials for that product. That's mm -hmm. strong. That's real strong. Um, then there's, you know, the next level up is uh, something I've seen Zappos do a lot of. And basically somebody comes to your website, they see your product, they click the order button, but they didn't complete the order. For some reason, they didn't finish the ordering process. So what you do is you show them an ad that says, you know, basically says like, oops, you still have this product in your shopping cart. Come back now to finish the uh, finish your order or, you know, um, you still have this product in your shopping cart. Come back and get 10 percent off or, you know, you, you get creative on what you want to do. Uh, the other thing I want to talk about is there's something called message sequencing. And basically, these networks will, will allow you to turn your ads on and off on certain days. So, for instance, I could create a simple brand awareness ad for the first seven days. This, this ad is going live on day one, and it's going to turn off on day seven. 
and it's basically just reminding people of my logo, my benefit, come here. And then on day eight, I turn on a new ad that's increasing the um, increasing the message, increasing the desire a little bit. This one now shows a 10% off coupon. And that one runs until day 14 and then turns off. And then day 15, I upload another one. Now we have a 25% off coupon. You know, and, and you can like just keep increasing it until you know, either it's not worth it for you to get that person to buy anymore, or you know, what we normally end end with is a is a try it for free and and pay if you like it is our final last shot campaign. Nice. So the way these ad networks work is they actually tag that person based on their first interaction. So that sequencing would be specific to that particular person. Is that correct, Justin? Absolutely. Absolutely. It would, it would be based on the day that they were tagged. Got it. And would you say the best results come when you can be the more relevant with your ads? I mean, some of those strategies you talked about was getting very specific about that particular website visitors, previous interaction, what products they'd visit, you know, visited and looked at, what stage of the order process they got to. Would I be right in saying the more relevant you can be and specific for that particular uh, user, the better results you'll get? Absolutely. I've seen people do some crazy things with their ads, big, bright red borders and, and weird images on the ads. And like that stuff, you're, you're trying to get attention. But you, and sometimes screaming for attention can increase your click through rate. But nothing inc increases your click through rate better than making that ad more relevant to the person looking at it. The more we've seen that the higher you increase the relevance, the higher your CTR goes. And also, not only does it raise the CTR, but it raises the conversion rate of the person actually buying. You know, if you're just out there screaming for attention with a crazy ad, you may get that person to come because they're curious about what this weird ad is on this website, but they may not want to buy. Where if you increase the relevancy of the ad, now the person not only clicks on it, but wants to buy the thing. Yeah, got it. Well, it's all a guess about having the right message and also the right timing with the sequencing ideas you gave us. You can, as you said, increase the desire um, by using discounts and things like that to really encourage that action or sale. Yeah, and one thing I want to say real quick is uh, a lot of times when I talk about this, uh, sometimes people's eyes uh, glass over or it's, it's very overwhelming because I'm talking about a lot of advanced campaigns. But what I want people to realize is this is nothing different than your email autoresponder sequence, yep. except it's not an email. It's display ads across the web. So yep. that's all the message sequencing is, is you're just you know using different display ads like you would different emails and as they go through different parts of your funnel, well, now they're not getting your prospect sequence. Now they're getting the lead sequence or now they're getting the customer sequence of follow-ups. Now, with email marketing, Justin, I'm sure you and I would advise our listener to get started with that straight away. With retargeting, is that advice still the same or would we need to sort of get a certain size list in place to make this effective? Well... You know, there's there's kind of a, um, a political thing going on with retargeting because there's a lot of people out there abusing it since it's something where people don't have to opt in. Yeah. And because some people are abusing it, some browsers are, 
you know, they have campaigns, you know, do not track campaigns. They're teaching their users. The, the, the users of the browsers are uh, learning how to turn off retargeting, basically, to stop cookie tracking. They're, uh, if you buy a new Windows PC, this shocked me. I just bought a bunch of Windows PCs for my office. And when I was setting them up, every single one of them was default. Uh, the, the settings were default selected to do not track. Meaning they, right. these computers would not have been able to, uh, these people would not have been, retargeting would not have worked on them. So there's kind of a window, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with this, uh, this browser war thing that's going on out there. And if the browsers win, then that, mean re, that means retargeting is going to go away. And that, that, that's a hard pill to swallow because we've been seeing 300 to 500% ROI on some of our campaigns. Yeah. But you know, at the same time, maybe maybe retargeters, maybe advertisers win, and you know, and it stays around a lot, uh, a lot longer. So what I would say is, you know, right now there looks to be a window of how long you can get started in retargeting. So you should get started as soon as possible because the ROIs are really, really good. Well, I guess there's a whole other conversation there about relevancy again. I mean, I as a consumer would much rather be receiving advertising for stuff that I'm interested in and potentially, you know, discounts on products that I'm interested in. If someone like you is advertising to me, Justin, I think that's a much better scenario than just having people pushing any old rubbish, you know, onto us in the old fashioned way. Absolutely. And it's just, a, you know, you got a couple of bad apples out there, just like in email marketing, you've got spammers. Well, there's a couple bad apples out there who are, you know, massively collecting cookies. They're selling those cookies to other people. They're showing irrelevant ads to these people. And so those couple of bad apples are what's doing this. But if you're using it correctly for your business and you're, you're, you're trying to serve relevant ads to people who want the products, then you're fine. And, and you're the person who's using it correctly. Awesome. Good. Well, we've spoken a lot about already about sort of targeting and, and sequencing. What about creative and, and getting the, the message right? In your experience, are there any sort of types of banners that work better, sizes of banners that work better as a rule of thumb? You know, um, the sizes, definitely. Now, I urge everyone to to do their own testing, try all the sizes, you know, the more sizes you have, the more positions you can show up in. Um, but based on my testing, um, with lots of our clients, we have found that three sizes constantly, uh, are, are doing all the heavy lifting. And those three sizes are your 728 by 90, which is the, the big horizontal one you usually see at the top of websites. We see the 160 by 600, which is the, the sidebar one you usually see on websites. Yep. And then the, the square one, which is 300 by 250. Those three sizes constantly get us the highest CTR, the most conversions. So we as a company, that's the only sizes we do just to save some money on costs and they usually end up winning anyway, so uh, we've just we've just gone to that one. And if you wanted to, you know, really cut your costs, the three hundred by two fifty usually is the strongest of those three. Not always, but it, it usually is the strongest of those three. And as, as for designs, we we keep it really basic. Um, a lot of times, our designs are a white background with a picture. Uh, you know, it might have the logo, a headline, and a call to action. Mm. You know, and what we what you want to do is a banner ad that looks like a banner ad, 
doesn't get clicked. But a banner ad that looks like a pe- like a featured article on the website gets clicks. Interesting. That's, that's, that's a really big lesson for people to learn. And, and this is based on lots of our campaigns. Like I said, it could be different for you. Uh, web design companies, they need to have shiny, well-designed banner ads because people are grading their design. But yeah. for most of our clients who are supplements and info products and stuff like that, uh, for us, um, ads that look like a featured article when they're displayed on the website, you know, just like a white plain ad with a headline and a blue link that says learn more, or read more. Uh, those type of ads work really, really well for us. And do they work better, Justin, than a sort of brand heavy ad, i.e. something that would have that website or company's logo positioned on it? Because I guess general sort of thought might be, well, if I visited this website before and I recognize the branding and the logo, um, perhaps I'm more likely to click on it. Is that true? Or as you say, is it not, is it not true? Absolutely. And that's where you got to think about, you know, what, you know, this person that I'm showing the ad to, what's what stage are they in in my website? So somebody who's just landed on your website and then they, they didn't complete a lead, they didn't click anything. You know, for for all you know, they didn't even like what you had. Uh, you know, that's all they did was visit your website. You have no other information about them. For those people, we show something just general. Uh, you yep. know, um, headline, description, call to action. For somebody who has become a lead or has you know visited our product page, absolutely show a picture of the product, show your logo, remind them. You know, you basically want to be reminding them that they were at your website. You may not want to you know call out like, "Hey, you were at my website five minutes and three seconds ago." You know, that, <laughs> that that's a little spooky. But um, uh, you know, yeah, absolutely. Like you said, you know, again, increase relevancy. Yeah, I guess there's there's a a borderline you'd get to where it would start freaking people out, right? They're like, <laughs> who yeah. are these people? Like the freaking CIA or? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, you don't want to, you know, you, you don't really want to call attention to your kind of following them around the web. Um, you, you just want to make it seem like, wow, this ad is so relevant to me. How did, it's like they're reading my mind. <laughs> yeah, funny that. Cool. <laughs> what about um, changing of um sort of creative justin do you recommend rotating it from time to time absolutely i you know <clears throat> there's a couple ways you can save money i actually just read a really great article on this uh I'm trying to remember where i think it was on adexchanger.com it's a great blog for people to follow um you you can save a lot of money by Showing your ads a little bit later. For right now, most people, when they set up a retargeting campaign, their ads are live to the person the moment they hop off the website and go to, you know, go around the web. Yeah. Well, that person, you know, that person may still have converted. You know, they they may have just, you know, decided to go do something else and they left your website open in another tab and or you know, whatever. You know, so sometimes showing your ads uh, a day later. Or you know, setting your ads to not show on day zero, but maybe to show on day two or day three. You know, some of those people um, initially might have come through and bought anyway. So showing them on day three, you're going to get the people who maybe have forgotten about you, maybe weren't going to order. So you can save a little bit of money there, and then you can save a little bit of money by watching over time. You know, when do 
does your conversion number start dropping off? Because in the first couple weeks, we've seen, you know, it increases the conversion. But after about three, four weeks, it seems like if they haven't bought within three, four weeks of seeing your ad, they're just not ready yet, period. You know, and so you, you might want to turn your ads off then and save some money. Otherwise, you're just you're, you're burning you're burning money on ads that people don't want to see and aren't going to click. Yeah, got it. You spoke there very briefly, Justin, about um, tracking conversions. And of course, that has got to be a really important part of the campaign. With retargeting on these networks, how are you best to track conversions through the typical channels like Google Analytics conversion uh, goals? Or would there right. be some other recommendation you have? Well, with, um, with Google remarketing, you know, they're using their analytics account. So you can count uh, conversions to, you know, through your... Uh, your Google Analytics account. Yep. Um, with Perfect Audience, you you tell them which one of your pages is your conversion page. And so if somebody clicks one of your ads and then they reach that page, then they count that person as a conversion. Yep. And you can also then tell it to turn off your ads for that person. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Cool. Well, I think just before we close out, Justin, I'd like to sort of pick your brains a little bit on retargeting on Facebook, because as we mentioned at the top of the show, this is something that I've personally seen just grow and grow. I mean, literally in the last few weeks or month or so, it's become very, very prominent. How do you go about remarketing on Facebook? Well, okay. So certain networks allow you to do that. Um, not all networks have access to what's called the Facebook Exchange, which is basically uh, a side company of Facebook where it's just the ads. And the only way you can buy the Facebook Exchange ads is through a network like Perfect Audience or AdRoll. Um, there's, there's other ones out there, but I use Perfect Audience. And the way you do it is when you're creating a campaign – Inside your interface, it asks you if you want to create a www campaign, World Wide Web campaign, or do you want to create an FB campaign, Facebook campaign? Right. And so you choose Facebook. I, I we we create both. That way, we're like everywhere on the web. Um, and so when you choose the Facebook one, instead of creating like a banner ad, you're creating a Facebook ad. They, they ask you what headline do you want to use? What description do you want to use? What image are you going to use in the ad? What's your destination URL? And uh, what's your, your bid? And you're, you're bidding on CPM. You're not paying cost per click like you would with a Facebook ad. Yeah. You're, you're paying on CPM. So you're paying for views here. But um you know, the click-through rates, the conversions on those Facebook campaigns are really, really good. Fantastic. Cool. And just in your agency, this does remarketing um, campaigns for clients. So someone could get in touch with you and have this managed by your business. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you don't want to deal with all the message sequencing and creating all the different creatives and worrying about all that, we handle all of it for you and send you a weekly report on on your numbers. Awesome. Sounds good. So I guess we should give our listener out there some way to get in touch or at least to find out more about you, Justin. What's the best place for our listener to go to? Well, we've got a blog. It's at imscalable.com forward slash blog. There's some great articles there. Um, otherwise, hook up with me on Facebook. Uh, my personal Facebook account is facebook.com forward slash Justin Brooke. My fan page where I share daily traffic tips is 
facebook.com forward slash traffic strategist. So there's a couple different ways you can get more tips or just hook up with me directly. Uh, you can also always just uh, Google me. There's plenty of things out there to find on me there. Awesome. Well, my audience are pretty much into traffic, so I'm sure they'll find your stuff really interesting, Justin. Today's been a blast. Thanks so much for coming on Traffic Jam. Uh, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. This was great. This week's news in traffic. So the first news story this week is from Facebook, who have introduced embeddable posts. Now, the posts work in the same way as embeds from Twitter or YouTube. And once your Facebook account is enabled, you'll have the option to embed post. That will produce a code that you can cut and paste into a blog entry or HTML file. Now, for posts to be embeddable, it must be set to public, i.e. publicly shareable. Now, this enhancement will, of course, have an impact on how far Facebook content gets shared, but it could have further reaching effects onto platforms such as Google, who look at social signals and how content is being shared in their own algorithm. So an interesting update to watch. But given that only 28% of Facebook users set their posts to public, let's see how well this is adopted. Staying with Facebook, well, they're seeking to break the long-held dominance of TV over advertising budgets as they plan to sell TV-style commercials on their site for as much as $2.5 million per day. Now, while the social network already allows advertisers to upload videos to their Facebook page and then broadcast them to a user's newsfeed, the new service would let marketers buy their way directly into a person's feed with a 15 second pitch. Now, at 15 seconds, the ads would also be the same length as Facebook's Instagram videos, a feature that was added to the company's photo sharing service last month. Now, in a response to the argument that this will decrease the kind of socialness of Facebook, Facebook have said that members won't see a commercial more than three times in a given day and once in every 20 posts. So keep your eyes peeled for these new ads. They're expected out sometime in the autumn. Google this week announced a number of updates to YouTube that will allow more video producers to use YouTube for live streaming. Now, all channels in good standing with at least 100 subscribers will be able to use live stream from their accounts within the next few weeks. Now, this is down from the previous minimum requirement of 1000 subscribers, so thus makes it accessible to a lot more people. In a couple of other announcements, which we in fact got wind of well ahead of the time and reported on in Traffic Jam episode number 11 with YouTube expert James Wedmore, YouTube have announced that you can now use external links from annotations to link to websites associated with your account, perhaps your blog or your company website. They've also announced that you can now upload custom thumbnails to all videos in your account. Now, for a real good rundown of the opportunities this holds and exactly how to go about it, go check out episode number 11 of Traffic Jam, which is with our guest, James Wedmore. 
So thank you. It was another busy week of comments over at trafficjamcast.com. And I would like to read a few of those out at this point. First of all, AJ Sorensen, who responded to the Andrew Warner episode. He said, awesome interview. I'm a longtime Mixergy.com listener. And it was great to hear Andrew from the other side of the table. Um, we had Ralph Schmitz also leaving a comment this week to the Andrew Warner episode, and he kept it very short and sweet, but lovely comment. He said, absolutely great. Uh, also, Edgar from mensdesign.com, he popped on over and left a message to the Jeremy Shoemaker interview, and he said, Jeremy is the man. Great interview. I found your blog thanks to Shoe Money. I'd also like to take special note of those people that congratulated us for getting Traffic Jam to number three in the iTunes rank. There was Ken McKenzie, James Shramko, Robin Logan and Dave Crane all popped by my Facebook page to leave a congratulatory note. So thank you guys for your support. Thank you to you all for helping make Traffic Jam what it is. I would love to get more of those great comments and feedback and I'll try to get through as many of those as I can on each episode. Oh, and just a little reminder of the quest that I made for you at the top of the show, and that's to pop on over to iTunes and leave a review and rating. I really, really would appreciate that. It would help us push the show further up the charts in iTunes and get out to more people. So if you get a little moment this week, head on over there, leave a review and rating. It'll only take a few seconds, and I really, really would appreciate that. The one minute traffic tip. Okay, so in this week's tip, I just want to share something that we've been testing out this week, and that is image-based marketing using quotes from the Traffic Jam episodes. Now, if you're listening to this episode in August 2013, and you head on over to likejames.com, you'll be redirected to my Facebook page where you'll see quotes from Brent Hodgson, our guest last week, and Shoe Money, our guest from two weeks ago. Now, we're using quotes from the show in image format because people really like both quotes and images. Just look at Facebook, Pinterest and Instagram to see how these types of things are shared. So our method has been go and find a great quote from the episode, put the guest name against it with a little illustration of them and then post it to social media channels. We've already seen that people are picking these up and then sharing them to their own audience and giving Traffic Jam wider exposure. So go give this a try in your own marketing this week. And then once you've gotten some results, head on over to trafficjamcast.com, find episode number 15, head to the bottom of the post and leave a comment with the results that you've gotten. I'd love to get your feedback on how it's worked for you. Okay, so that rounds out episode number 15 of Traffic Jam. Just a reminder, I do also post tips and training over at my new website, veravo.com. So go check that out. And you can also take advantage of our website grader report there, where we'll put your website through a 30-point checklist and let you know how it's doing in terms of usability, traffic, social media, Google traffic, and a whole lot more. So go take advantage of that if you've not done so already ready. Playing out this week's show is a track picked by my guest today, Justin Brooke, and it's a kind of rocky number. It's by a band called Warrant, and the track is called Cherry Pie. Enjoy. (laughs) 
Subscribe for future episodes. Check out the website, trafficjamcast.com.